A toast to the hunters from your friends at Grain Belt. May the mornings be clear and the fresh air be crisp. May you find solace in the silence. May the stillness settle your soul. May your long shot stay true. May your heart roam free. May you find what you seek in the fields you stock. May your call to the wild be answered. And at the end of the day, may you share in the thrill of the hunt with your friends. So here's to the eight pointers and the 12 ounces. Here's to you and to your thirst for adventure. Bring Grain Belt to the outdoors with our limited edition premium hunting season pack. This season, enter to win a hunting trip for two to Brown's Hunting Lodge, wherever you can find premium 12 and 24 pack cans. For more information, visit our website at grainbelt.com forward slash hunting dash trip. Hi everybody, Ron Shera here with another edition of a Minnesota Bound podcast. Hope you've been, been enjoying our podcast as we chit-chat about the great outdoors. Today, we have a very special guest and a very special topic as we are going to discuss uh, one of the fastest growing segments in our great outdoors. And by segment, I mean folks who are uh, discovering hunting, fishing, camping, boating, you name it. And uh, joining me today is Linda Bylander, who is in charge of of the Department of Natural Resource Program known as Becoming an Outdoors Woman. Uh, Linda, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Ron. It's really great to be here with you. Well, let me tell you, I have a special interest in what you do because, as you know, I have a couple of daughters who are uh, who became an outdoors woman. I think before there were, ever was a program, because her dad dragged them out fishing and hunting. That be me. So my daughter Simone and Laura. Um, as I like to say, Linda, uh, they both have killed wild turkeys, so I can rest in peace now. But um, uh, I, th- I don't think it's a, a secret that more and more women have discovered, say, fishing and hunting. Um, correct. And, and you're kind of a unicorn, Ron. A lot of uh, men of your age in that era did not teach their women outdoor skills such as hunting and fishing. And I'm an example of that. I'm older than your daughters. Um, and, and we're very pleased to have Simone as part of our program. But my dad did not teach me to hunt. Um, he, he gave me a 12 gauge, said, go ahead and shoot it. I ended up on my butt, you know, that kind of thing. Like, sure. that's why women don't hunt. Um, so I think this program is really needed for women like myself and other women who have not learned to hunt from their fathers. It's just traditionally they have not learned that role. So good for you for passing that that skill on to your daughters. Well, you know, part of it, um, I don't want to sound like I'm any kind of a great outdoor guru, but I didn't have sons, okay? So uh, if I wanted to have one of my children go with me. Uh, It was my daughters. But there was something else going there too, Linda. Uh, My mother and my mother's mother, my grandmother, both were avid fisher persons. In fact, my grandma always said, just call her a fisherman because that's what she does. But anyway, um, so I grew up with a mother, for example, who would sit on the banks of the Mississippi River for hours waiting for a bite, and she loved every minute of it. So for me to have a female, um, what would you call it, a a female mentor uh, into fishing, my mother was it, and so was my my grandmother. Um, And like I said, my daughters 
were my son, so to speak. So first we, we started fishing and then um, did some hunting. And then, and of course, I got into turkeys as a turkey nut. And before they could legally hunt turkeys, um, I would drag them out turkey hunting with me. And um, uh, because I thought it was fascinating, I thought they would find it fascinating, and they did. And uh, so, you know, a short story, that's how I got involved. But I don't expect any medals for this or whatever. But uh, so, Linda, you you came into the outdoors the difficult way. Um, do you recall any of your first experiences as a woman with holding a gun in a pheasant field? Or how did that happen? Yeah, so so I did grow up. My dad was a very strong conservationist, and I learned the the meaning behind conservation and how hunters and anglers really help the outdoors. But again, I I didn't learn to hunt as a youth, and it was discouraged. Um, but I did fish. Fishing was okay, and I just spent hours looking in the water. So I went to school for natural resources, and I came into the DNR um, as a Manaqua. Uh, instructor, which is our fishing education program. So when I took over the Becoming Outdoor Woman program from Jean Bergerson in 2005, I had to learn how to hunt. And I learned through my own program. I, I learned how to shoot. I got firearm safety through my own volunteers. I learned to shoot um, shotguns and rifles through, you know, Betty Wilkins up there at Deer Day, the classes that we held. And I went on my first deer hunt on Betty Wilkins' farm up there in Mora, Mora and it took me two years, and I, I shot a deer. Um, one thing about women is once they do learn to hunt, and it's a harder skill to get into, but once they do learn, they tend to be very ethical hunters. Like, I had a perfect shot on that deer. I wasn't willing to shoot until I had a perfect shot. So I got my first deer up at uh, Betty Wilkins' property. I, I tried pheasant hunting. I'm not very good at that. Um, and then, of course, fishing. Fishing is something I do every year. Um, so, so that's how I got into the program was actually through my own volunteers um, to learn how to hunt. And that's well, what. <laughs> go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. Well, that's what's wonderful about our program. What's what's so unique about the bow program and how Dr. Christine Thomas, who started the program back in the early '90s, is that she wanted women to learn in a safe non-intimidating, supportive environment. And that's what the bow program is all about. And that's like how Simone helps us too. It's just we bring in women and men instructors who are just willing to really sit down and work with women one-on-one to teach them those skills in that safe, supportive environment. Because it can be very intimidating learning how to shoot a gun or, or to go out hunting. Um, so my our program is just well designed to help women walk through those steps to become an angler, become a hunter, or the other the the other skills such as biking and hiking and so forth. Let's go back to the beginning of becoming an outdoor woman. I'm not sure how much you know about the very beginning, but was there a moment, was there an event that triggered the idea that Minnesota needed a program called Becoming an Outdoor Woman? 
Yeah, so the history of the program, I mentioned Dr. Christine Thomas. She was out at University of Wisconsin, Stevens Point. Um, she was a new instructor out there. She ended up becoming the dean of natural resources out there. But as a new instructor, she was an avid hunter and angler. And she looked around, you know, women make up 50% of the population, if not a little bit more. And why did women only make up like 9% of hunting and 30% of fishing. She didn't understand why women weren't getting into these skills. So she put together a conference looking at the barriers of participation for women. And during that conference, she found a variety of barriers, the traditions and cultural, um, you know, women stayed home and took care of the kids. Men went out in their hunting camps, the, the lack of equipment, the lack of clothing. And then she also found the lack of ability to learn skills in a safe, supportive environment. So she started the BOW program. The very first workshop was in 91 out at Wisconsin, Stevens Point. Um, and what was really unique about this design was it wasn't just a hunting or fishing program. It was a third of the classes were hunting related. A third of the classes were fishing related. A third of the class were other skills, those non-consumptive skills like hiking and biking and, and geocaching, that kind of thing. Um, and she did quite a bit of research on the program as well. So that was the very first program in 91, and it was just a huge success. And what she found is that the women who came to the program through her research that even though they might not have picked up a gun during that program, they were exposed to other women who are so excited about the, the hunting, the shooting aspect, the fishing aspect. So those women's attitudes towards hunting and fishing changed to more positive and their attitude towards the people that helped with the program, the, the agencies that help with the program, um, conservation groups, was more positive. Uh, Minnesota saw the success of the Wisconsin program back in 94, and they put together a steering committee. It wasn't the DNR at that time, um, but they put together a steering committee. Christine Thomas came out here and helped set up our first workshop, um, 95, uh, Bruce Kerfoot up at Gunflint Lodge was the very first program for the bow program in Minnesota, a winter workshop up there. And since 95, we've just grown by leaps and bounds. It's been a very popular program here in Minnesota. Do you have any idea how many women have gone through your bow program by now? Oh my gosh. Uh, no, we're one of the largest bow programs. Um, just, we had our first fall workshop since the pandemic just uh, a couple weekends ago. And it filled within weeks. It was so uh, popular. We had 70 women, 26 women wait list, um, it, hundreds, hundreds That's of people. Yeah. But what's wonderful. unique... What's unique about Bo is we have two large workshops, our fall workshop that Simone was teaching a Learn to Pheasant Hunt class at with 70 women. But then we have outside of those big workshops, we have individual classes where somebody will take out a group of women to learn how to pheasant hunt out in the field where they'll, they'll take them out um, trap shooting and walking uh, fields and so forth. So we have individual classes as well. So those are smaller. We keep those smaller because they're a mentor program. For example, this weekend, we're going to um, Cedar Creek at University of Minnesota to host our archery um, deer hunt for women. So it's a small program. We have a uh, uh, a group of women, a group of mentors coming to be one-on-one -on -one mentored archery deer hunt for women out there this weekend. So we have the large workshops, then we have the individual classes as well. 
So they're going to have to field dress their own deer, right? Um, yes, that's part of it. Um, so we have gotten deer, and the the mentors walk them through. What do you do? How do you field dress that deer um, once you, once you have it? And the same with we had our mentored archery turkey hunt in May. Um, that was my first program since the pandemic. It was just so much fun. But we showed the women how to uh, field dress a turkey, how to how to just breast it out, and mm-hmm. um, it was it was a great experience. So women, brand new archery hunters, got a turkey this year. That's pretty hard to do. Gives me an idea, but maybe I, my daughter Simone and daughter Laura should start learning how to fillet their own walleyes. Maybe I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Be a good idea. Uh, Linda, we have to take a little break here, but when we come back, uh, we'll resume our conversation about becoming an outdoor woman. You're listening to the Minnesota Bound podcast. Back after this. Our good friends at Connecticut. You know how much the Shirk family loves Connecticut water. We have it in our home, and now we've added it to our cabin life. And, (laughs) oh, what a difference it makes. You know, for as long as I can remember, we've dealt with that cabin water, that stinky, foul well water. After a painless four-hour installation, we now have Connecticut soft water and also Connecticut's K5 drinking system. No more bottled water to try and make coffee in the morning. It's great drinking water, right out of the K5 tap. Our laundry no longer smells funny, and Connecticut Water cleaned up both our showers and the kitchen dishes. The world's most efficient, worry-free water system. Visit Connecticut.com to find a dealer near you and join the Connecticut family. Did you know that a propane gas Furnace lifespan averages 20 years, while electric heat pumps only last about 14 years. And propane furnaces work in all temperatures while delivering warm and consistent heat in your home. Why buy two heating systems when propane furnace can do it all? Lasts longer, works better, and costs less. These things and more are being done today with propane, the right energy right now. Hewitt Docks, Lifts, and Pond Two Legs began in a small south-central Minnesota town with a mission to make dock install and removal easier by inventing the Rolla Dock. Well, now the company has evolved to provide everything you might need to improve your lake time. In addition to the classic Rolla Dock or the new Ultra Dock system, Hewitt offers all-terrain staircases, gangways, canopies, and lifts, along with any accessory you might need. Celebrate 50 years of business with us. Go to HewittRad.com to enter for a chance to win a free dock and monthly prizes. Hewitt Docks, lifts, and pontoon legs. Work hard, play harder. You deserve a Hewitt. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to our Minnesota Bound podcast. Our topic today is uh, becoming an outdoor woman. And, uh, Obviously, some of you are men. You're not going to become one, but uh, this is a very interesting program. And joining me and talking about it has been Linda Bylander, who heads up uh, DNR's uh, program to become an outdoor woman. And and, uh, Linda, we were talking about the early beginnings of this program and how fast it's grown. And um, but I can hear I can hear some grunchy old. Men now saying, oh, great, that's all we need are more people in the woods uh, chasing deer, more people shooting our peasants, Uh, let them stay home and take care of the kids. 
<laughs> How would you answer that? Well, you know, women kind of control the kids, I think. This is just my personal perspective. And I have to tell you a story about three generations that are last workshop. But if you teach a woman to hunt and to fish, they will most likely get their kids involved. Um, just on a personal aspect, I have an only child, a son. He he hunts and fish. I, I was in the deer stand the first time he shot his deer. Um, and yet my husband's two kids from his first marriage do not hunt and hardly ever fish. I feel like if you get the woman involved in hunting and fishing, you're more likely to get the kids to come along with you to hunt and fish in the future. And we need those hunters and anglers to keep our traditions alive. It's such a great legacy in Minnesota to have those hunting and fishing um passions, our traditions, and we need to keep those in Minnesota. We, we don't want to get to a point that hunting and fishing is looked at as, as wrong. Um, so I think ke keeping the women involved keeps the kids involved and keeps the traditions alive. I also want to just tell you a really quick story. Um, our big long, our big workshop this past weekend uh, um, up at uh, Eagle Bluff, we had 70 women but we had a woman who had come to the bow program, learned a bunch of outdoor skills. I, I followed her on Facebook. She does a, a lot of things. She started bringing her daughters. And then she kind of disappeared. And this last weekend, she showed up with her granddaughter. So as a mother who taught her daughter outdoor skills, and that daughter now was bringing her daughter. So three generations coming to a bow program that if you get the women involved and, and passionate about the outdoors, they will make sure their kids will be passionate about the outdoors, which is good for all of us. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. Uh, one I would not have thought of, um, but I did think of the fact that uh, historically, and the way our fish and wildlife management programs have been set up historically, and that is our license money, for the most part, pays for our wildlife management, pays for our fish management. And uh, many DNRs all across the country have cried that the number of anglers and hunters are going down. And obviously, then the license revenue goes down. And uh, if when that goes down, who's going to pick up the cost of of managing these fish and wildlife resources. And just the fact that now uh, women are being added to the licensed buyer list is a good thing. It's a, it's a great thing. As long as we keep with that North American model of conservation, um, licensed buyers are needed um, to, to keep that management going. Yeah, I'm not sure when we'll get off of that model. Maybe we shouldn't, I don't know. But anyway, so let's go on about uh, how, uh, well, first off, since we're, if people are listening to this and fathers have daughters or if there's a lady listening to this uh, and interested, uh, how, how do they reach out to your Becoming an Outdoor Woman program? What do they have to do? The best way for people to find the Becoming Outdoor Woman program is to come on to the DNR website, so mndnr.gov, and then you can, in the search bar, just put in Becoming an Outdoors Woman. Or if you want the website, it's mndnr.gov backslash education backslash BOW. But once you get to my BOW page, 
um, underneath the hunting picture is a sign up for our e-newsletter. So what I'm doing now since the pandemic is every month I'm sending out a newsletter to whoever subscribes to my newsletter with what's coming up that next month. And we have programs not only for women, but also for families. We're advertising our Minnesota Outdoors Skills and Stewardship Series on that, that, and that's open to both men and women. Um, So that's the best way to find us is on the the Becoming Outdoor Woman website on the Minnesota DNR webpage. You could probably just Google Becoming an Outdoor Woman Minnesota and get there too, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, Becoming Outdoor Woman program is nationwide. There's uh, about 30 some programs nationwide, but yep, just put in Minnesota and you'll come right to my site. Is there a, a cost for this, a fee? Um, what we do, we don't try to make money off the women. What we try to do is offer a service for them to learn. So the fee is whatever the site is charging us for having that program. So there is a small fee depending on which program they're they're going to, but it doesn't come to the DNR. It will go to the site for like lodging for food um, ex- example. So it's it's not very expensive. Yes. So you mentioned earlier you had a, a grandma, mother, daughter combo there, I think it was. Yep. Uh, are there some other uh, moments where uh, becoming an outdoor woman program changed lives or maybe saved marriages or whatever? You know, I've I have I've been with the program now for twenty some years. It's been just wonderful uh, watching women learn these skills, always been wanting to learn and finally finding us and and getting to learn. Um, and I, as I might have said earlier, it's a small program. I'm a part-time staff with the DNR and I work with volunteers who are just passionate out there, like your daughter, to help women learn outdoor skills. Um, so I, I have a ton of stories. I, I even remember when my son was little, we, I started the Becoming an Outdoor Family program. And we did a family program up at Malax Cathio State Park. And I had um, new immigrants from Russia, actually, uh, join us. And it was just fascinating to hear them talk about how they work with their coworkers and they learned about this Minnesota tradition of hunting and fishing, but they knew nothing about it. They knew nothing about the park system in Minnesota. They came to my family workshop. And from that um, inner that exchange that we've had, then they came to our deer day up at Betty Wilkins Farm and learned how to deer hunt. And then the last picture I saw was he sent me a picture of him and his son with a goose. They went goose hunting. So it's just, it's just great. We have so many people come into our program that are new to hunting, new to our traditions, and it's fun to see them get their first critter out there. If you're just joining us, uh, we're chatting with Linda Bylander, who is uh, with the Department of Natural Resources in Minnesota, talking about the Becoming an Outdoor Woman program, uh, I guess uh, known shortly as is it Bow or Bow? Bow. Bow, yeah. Uh, Linda, I would just say, as the father of two daughters, and I, I think other fathers can relate to this, um, whether it be a son too, but uh, the uh, taking your own children out with you, uh, whether you catch anything or don't, see anything or don't, but just being with them. Uh, in a fishing or hunting pursuit, that's basically what I do. 
uh, is so gratifying. Um, it's just uh, immensely gratifying. And then when they get a little older and Simona's a crack shot and uh, she has her own dogs now, her own retrievers or labs because she grew up with my labs. And, um, and, and Laura, I would take her fishing and we would try to catch bass on topwater lures. Well, now that's the only way she wants to try to catch a bass. I tell her, Laura, sometimes the bass aren't looking up, but she wants to try to catch them that way anyway. Loves throwing uh, fake frogs into the lily pads. And then she discovered muskies and said that's what she's going to do. So she's caught more, I think, maybe more muskies than I have since. But I always kid her. I said she started at the top. But what I'm getting at is uh, it's just uh, it's just so gratifying to be out there with your sons or daughters. So and it's, I think it's even special with daughters because they weren't expected to be out there. Am I, am I talking too long? Um. No. Um, also, the other thing about being outdoors with your sons and daughters is the health benefits of just being outdoors. Um, at this last workshop, we had an evening speaker about just the, all the health benefits of being in the woods, being around trees, being in the, the outdoors, um, away from screens and technology. It's, just, it's so healthy for the kids. So it's, I encourage everyone to take their kids out and, and learn to hunt. And then for adults, go ahead and come to my program and learn if you've never tried. One thing great about our program is when you are coming to our beginning programs, we have all the equipment for you. So you can try it without having to invest in the equipment. All right, time to take a little break here as we talk uh, to Linda Bylander about the Becoming an Outdoors Women program. So stay tuned. We're going to investigate that more. Uh, hang with us. The Minnesota Historical Society. A message for you. Come visit Historic Fort Snelling, Minnesota's first national historic landmark, a place where waters, people, and ideas have come together for thousands of years. Hear many stories told by many voices and learn more about how lives and history intersect in ways that are stirring, powerful, complex, and still relevant today. Whether revisiting your favorite parts of history or learning something new, it's waiting for you at Historic Fort Snelling. Learn more at mnhs.org slash Fort Snelling. Hi there, Ron Shera here for Star Bank. If you're putting your money into mega banks down the street, who knows where that money's being used? Bank locally. Keep your money local with a community bank that actually cares about you, your family, your business, and your goals. Check out the bank we use at Minnesota Bound. Try Minnesota's own Star Bank. You can find them online at starbank.net. When you call Star Bank, you actually hear a real living person answering the phone. StarBank has 10 convenient locations around Minnesota to serve you and all the mobile banking products that you need to manage your money. Check out all that StarBank has to offer at StarBank.net. Remember FDIC and Equal Housing Lender? It's time to plan your fall hunt in North Dakota. Get this, with an estimated 3.4 million breeding ducks, North Dakota Central Region is prime habitat for hunting waterfowl. In fact, right now, the state's breeding duck index sits 38% above the long-term average. And the water's up, too. The spring water index is up 616% over 2021. 
That's a good thing. Now, when you consider that North Dakota has approximately 700,000 acres of private land open to public walk-in hunting, guess what? You've got an outdoor oasis. For the latest information about public hunting lands and private land open to sportsmen and women, visit North Dakota Game and Fish Department. Bag your limit this fall in North Dakota. Visit LegendaryND.com. Hi, welcome back to our final episode here of Becoming an Outdoors Woman, the Minnesota Bound podcast for the day with with Linda Bylander, who heads up DNR's program. Linda, um, uh, just a couple more things. I love hearing your stories about how the bow program uh, changed women's lives or improved them or whatever. Um, I have a great story about uh, just a large, large buck um, that was taken in our program. We offered our first women-only learn-to-deer-hunt program up at Itasca State Park. We had a special hunt. I had a woman come in. Her name was Teresa, brand new to hunting, and came. she's a Minnesotan, but she was living in Alaska, came back to Minnesota, wanted to hunt because she wanted to provide food for her family, um, organic-type food for her family. Came to our hunt, first-time hunter, was out in a stand, and she got a perfect shot at this huge buck. I can't even remember what the point system was on him. He was just massive. Perfect shot. Um, And when we took the deer to get it tagged, one thing she kept saying, like everybody was just awing about her deer. And she said, well, don't they all look like that? That She looks in (laughs) magazines and they all look like that. And we're like, no, this is a trophy buck and you're so lucky. Well, anyway, it's it's just fun to see women get their first critter. That was just an exceptional one. And what was so unique about that, she was living Duluth. A woman up in Duluth who's gone, come to my archery deer hunt, Katrina, lives up there, reached out to me and said, give me Teresa's address and I'll welcome her into the archery hunting group up there in Duluth. So just those social connections of women who are learning and then they're reaching out to other new women. It's just a wonderful program. Well, that it is. Thank you for the big buck story and the uh, that too. And that reminds me, Simone just last weekend uh, participated in a a women's only goose hunt. Um, there's a lot fewer Canada geese flying around this week. I can tell you that. But uh, anyway, our time is up. Uh, Linda Bylander, want to thank you for joining us, uh, talking about the Becoming an Outdoor Woman program. A uh, very important uh, one to get our uh, uh, ladies out in the outdoors. Uh, so uh, because we all we all love it out there. So that about does it for the Minnesota Bound podcast. The stories behind the stories brought to you by Connecticut Water Treatment Systems. We'd also like to thank Minnesota Historical Society, Minnesota Propane Association, Star Bank, Hewitt Docks, and North Dakota Tourism. Until next week, don't you forget to introduce a kid and a woman to the great outdoors. Mm-hmm.